Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. An Erio's original. Guys, before we get into stuff and things, we have to ask you to subscribe, rate, review. I have a specific ask this week, which okay. is tell, tell a friend. Yes. Tell my friends about us. Just call, just text a friend right now while you're listening and be like, have you heard this new podcast, Foxy Browns? Here's a link yeah. for you to subscribe or follow on Spotify or really anything. Write us a letter. We love letters. We love mail. Foxybrowns at erios.net. Yeah. We'll answer your questions. Indeed, indeed. Um, we also, we don't mind some of the abusive mail. That's been interesting because some <laughs> of it's been hilarious. The guy who called us social justice warriors with valley girl accents. I'm like, first of all, I'm from Berkshire. Yeah. Second of all, <laughs> how is social justice warrior a burn? Yes. And <laughs> like, I think he doubled give down. It like a slight, give it a less cool name. He said we were politically correct and narcissistic. Yeah. And I was like, this is a women That's of color cool. beauty podcast. So <laughs> I hate to break yes. it to you. But anyway. Jump on, tell friends about us, give us five stars. As I said before, as soon as we get 505 uh, star reviews, I will share the pictures of me as a teen goth. In England. In England. <laughs> but until we get those reviews, I cannot share them. My hands are tied. We're almost there. But we're nearly there. Welcome to Foxy Browns. I'm Priyanka. And I'm Camilla. And this is a podcast that navigates beauty and wellness from our perspectives as women of color. This week, like every week, we're talking stuff and things, tips and tricks, and deconstructing Western beauty standards. And we are joined by special guest Hollis. So Hollis Wong Ware is a Grammy-nominated musician and activist. She has worked with Ryan Lewis and Macklemore, School by Q, and she's also part of the Seattle uh, trio Flavor Blue. And she's an activist who is also tackling gender inequality in the music industry and representation and is just an all-around babe and we love her mm -hmm. so welcome to the pod hollis thank you so much for having me busy lady hustling i feel like hollis you were introduced to me first through like podcast world because of jane but then i find out that everyone i know knows you as like a <laughs> musician and an activist yeah. and she throws events and she's like this great this and she's and I'm like great cool well she's we gotta have around. her on all right so let's dive into stuff and things this week stuff and things hollis, is where we talk about anything we bought did experienced you know that in in the realm of like beauty or wellness this week is there anything that you have experienced this week that you liked Ooh, okay i ooh, yes um so i was in new york this past mm -hmm. week and i'm working on my debut solo album which is oh really cool um and so i worked with this photographer um who shoots on film and i my uh makeup has been very sad this summer i just like haven't really gotten my ass to sephora Why? and oh. <laughs> yeah i just haven't yeah i've just been out and about and it's just one of those things where i'm still holding on to my like springtime yeah. foundation color oh, which yeah. is just it's not my color. summertime you're a different summertime color yeah foundation color did you i'm sorry i have to stop you for one second did you see that video of the girl who was like 
putting foundation on. It's totally the wrong color. And she's like, but this is my tan look. <laughs> have you seen yeah, this? Yeah, she said we it was a light Yeah, no, it's on Twitter right now. It's like this <gasps> very white, couldn't be whiter girl. And she's and then she takes out this Fenty foundation and it's like for a black girl. Every- and so now all these girls are retweeting it being like, that's why they're always sold out of my color. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, like, it's these girls who spray, who spray tan except for their face and then they oh, match the spray tan no. but they're using like a black but girl shade on their white ass skin. It's insane. Yeah. Rihanna fixed this. Right. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a captcha for like skin tone when you're buying yeah. off the Fenty website. We, yeah, they're we, like, I am not a robot. I'm yes, not a white person. Yeah. We do <laughs> talk directly to Rihanna at least once every episode. We're like, if you're listening I feel like she's like, I'm not. I'm Rihanna. Um, (laughs) Sorry. So, yes. Go back to your makeup. Speaking of Fenty. So, I had to do a photo shoot. um, And it was film photography. But I wanted to get, like, a light coverage um, foundation. So, I went and I copped the new foundation from Fenty. Okay. Um, not the matte that yeah. I had been using. And then I actually kind of rolled off of it because I felt like it was maybe a little too matte and chalky and it wasn't quite yeah. my skin tone because I have yellow undertones and it, mm-hmm. it wasn't quite there. Um, but I think my summertime skin mm-hmm. fits well with the hydrating, moisturizing, yes. new thing in the plastic thing instead oh of the God. glass thing from the Fenty. Ch- so it's nice. I I'm like going to check it out because yeah, I used the first um, Fenty foundation when it first came out and obviously the color matching unparalleled. Um, but I definitely found it like a little bit too thick for yeah. my skin so yeah. someone who doesn't sure. wear a lot of foundation but yeah i'll go it's I'll nice go. and it's light okay. is it possible like blend it with a moisturizer and then kind of or no i've not actually tried mm. that that's like but a pro move think, like i'm pretending yeah. like I, I know think, what i'm talking about i don't know i should yeah. give it a try i'm very boring kind of i tend to stick to the nars powdered foundation because i'm generally an oily person anyway but i definitely feel that it a, gives me like great coverage and then it also just doesn't leave me a huge oily slick by yeah. the end of the day so, the powder yeah. foundation yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Which they actually smart. they discontinued the one this one color which matches me absolutely perfectly. So I spent a day on eBay buying every one on the planet. <laughs> so now I have enough for the next like five years. Perfect. So I'm good. That's She's good. apocalypse ready. Yeah. It's your thing, Cam. I say this uh, silk pillowcases. Mm. I love them so so much. A complete convert now. To the point that I actually when I was traveling last week and I I started taking them with me to when I go to hotels but they are fantastic because they're just you know they create less friction for both your face so you'll get less you know less wrinkles because you're not rubbing up against cotton all night Mm. and then also for your hair too it's perfect if you don't necessarily want to sleep with a headscarf on then it creates less breakage also pre for you as well Mm -hmm. for hair loss the silk pillowcase will but don't buy the slip ones the slip ones are ridiculously overpriced mm. they're about a hundred dollars oh that's the brand don't buy it yeah don't buy it. okay yeah a hundred dollars for a silk pillowcase which is ridiculous um when you can just go on amazon and get two of them for about twenty dollars and they come in a bunch of other colors um and they're great and also if you want to go full visco girl they also do like silk headbands like little like scrunchies mm. um which we mm. we rag on the visco girls but their head's not breaking <laughs> off so you know do what you gotta do how about you pre Mine is, and I don't know if I've talked about this on here. I was just renewing my love for the Salix washcloth. What is that? I've seen it. Around. Okay. So, Camille, you gave me the Necessaire body wash, which is amazing. And I did a whole story about it. I loved it so much that I washed my entire body for 20 minutes and forgot to wash my hair. Like, that's, it was so good. <laughs> I got out and I was like, I feel amazing. I look crazy. Why do I look crazy? And it was because I like blow dried my greasy hair. It was so bad. 
Hat and, day. Hat day. Oh, <laughs> God, it was so disgusting. But your body um, felt great. Yes, because, yes. But what also I use to kind of exfoliate my whole body, it's at Sel- the Salix washcloth. This is like basically a giant plastic sheet um, that comes from Japan. <laughs> and it's like antimicrobial and you kind of fold it up and you and you use it, you know, to lather up and, and scrub with. And it keeps my skin so smooth. And unlike a luffa or whatever, there's no weird smell. It doesn't get moldy or mildewy. You know, you just kind of, because it's a sheet, you can kind of just pull it out and lay it and it gets nice and dry and i highly recommend it you can buy them online for like a few bucks and they come in bright ridiculous color they look like a total dollar store purchase and they are but they are great i'm gonna get one of these yes they're wonderful add to cart hollis we had um talked a little bit before you came in about things kind of like your experience with being mixed race Mm -hmm. which we really gravitated towards for many reasons mostly because we're both married to white men Mm -hmm. (laughs) and our children are gonna be my children are mixed yeah they're half indian and half jewish and i just really wanted to hear more about your experience and your background and and then ask you a few questions about about not only your mixed race but you're all sorry yeah yeah But not also you um, only mixed race, but you also were a child model as well. So, yeah, I'd love to talk about all of that. Yeah. Tell us about your journey. What is your background? Where are your where's your family from? Like all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So, yeah. So my parents um, met in the Bay Area, which is where Mm -hmm. I was raised. um, Lucky. In the late 80s. I was really lucky. I didn't realize how lucky I was until I left. Um, But and how beautiful it was. Like Mm -hmm. I had so much resentment for my suburban upbringing. And then now that (laughs) I'm back. Yeah, I don't (laughs) all. uh, Don't all of our suburbanites have that. And then, you know, now coming back, I'm like, oh, this place is gorgeous like I get why you know um but yeah so my folks met in the Bay Area in the late 80s but they came from two vastly different places to converge in the middle so um my dad is just a white American man that was a military rat when he was younger he was born in Nebraska and then Mm -hmm. he traveled a lot as a kid he served in the Coast Guard during Vietnam became a like an all-out hippie was a jeweler in New Orleans, sure, you know, like re- like <laughs> scraggly beard status, VW bug driving, hitchhiked to the uh, to San Francisco, lived there, and through working at this college that no longer exists, uh, or <laughs> going to fault. that college, yeah, yeah basically. it was one of those things where it like was kind of a scam. Um, he did like an AmeriCorps program that got him constructing playgrounds for like l- low income neighborhoods, oh. and so when he graduated quote unquote from whatever establishment (laughs) this was that he was going to he decided that he was just going to keep doing that so he's actually been a playground contractor for the last like 40 plus years this is, yeah, he built play, he's a who, playground installer. <laughs> that sounds like a job I would make up writing a rom com. Totally. And I'm gonna steal it. You should. Can't child wait. Yeah. Model, more like model child. <laughs> oh. um, that was the worst joke I've <laughs> ever made. I love it. It was cute though, because like before the digital age, my dad actually used to build like little baby model playgrounds, like to show <gasps> no. clients. Yeah. Shut so we had like up. a whole work like room in our house that was just his little Don't, like, because model you know playground. my internet, my Instagram <laughs> Session yes. is people cooking tiny food. Oh yeah. yes, I feel like that. <laughs> this is tiny <laughs> playgrounds, the tiny dolls this that we're like showing incredible. the stuff. Um, yeah, so that's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, so he's been in the Bay Area and like specializing in playground installation for a number of years. So while he was a playground builder along in in a nightclub, or so I'm told, he met my mother. (laughs) Um, and what I know, and also like my parents just like they don't really drink. Like, I'm just like, y'all were clubbing. I don't know. They tell me that they were super cool. 
But anyway, so they, my dad met my mom, and my mom has a really amazing story. She's from Hong Kong originally, grew up in like really abject poverty in like the heart of Hong Kong, just had a really like fraught family situation, mm-hmm. like ran away from home when she was 15, wow. worked like was kind of like crashing with different family friends and people that um, she had found, and then um, actually moved to the United States by herself the day after her 19th birthday. So, wow. and then she basically worked in different Chinese restaurants like across the country. Like she went to like Alabama. She went to like Kalamazoo, Wisconsin, like yeah. all of these like crazy kind of spots landed in the United States, got married swiftly. And then she worked as like she was the manager at a Denny's, like the overnight manager at a Denny's in her mid twenties. A respectful mm-hmm. profession. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, she learned a true healthcare skills. provider. Yeah, that part. <laughs> she got to know the true America. That part. Um and then decided that she wanted to go into real estate because she thought that my uh-huh. mom just like she's also like a genius. Like she dropped out of high school. Of course. So brilliant. Um so she went into real estate and then became like a leader broker in the Sonoma County area in uh, California. That's incredible. And then when she was pregnant with me, purchased a Chinese restaurant in what would be my hometown of Petaluma, California. Uh And so all through my the two decades of my upbringing, she was a restaurateur and yeah, ran like a the most like successful Chinese restaurant in Petaluma. What a story. What a journey. For yeah. both of them. Wow. And they met at a nightclub. Yeah. Journey. And I think that like for me, obviously growing up, you you don't know what's e- extraordinary or what's remarkable. Well, of but, course, because like, they're just your parents. Exactly. And you're like, they're oh, parents are, <laughs> y- y- y'all said. Um, but I mean, to be raised by two entrepreneurs, like was, I didn't realize at the time, like I think oftentimes that yeah. like when I was kind of, like going through my development and realizing I want to be an artist and I want to be, you know, whatever. And it felt so counter to the way that I had been raised and the expectations put upon me. But looking back now, I'm like, oh, like both of my parents were entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Both of my parents were kind of like estranged from their families in some ways and like the odd people out and found each other in the Bay Area, which kind of was this kind of, you know, geopolitical meeting in the middle in a certain sense. Um, and yeah, it really kind of paved the way for me to feel like I could invent my own. And I think it and really also worked. you are an entrepreneur, but mm-hmm. your business is just yourself. Exactly. Which right. is incredible. And then also you've been working for a very long time and you are, so how old were you when you started right. like, modeling so as a child? Th- so this is a funny thing. So my my mom, like, so modeling as a child, this was like you were taking pictures of your kids and mailing them into an agency in yeah. San Francisco right. and then they were mailing you back. It, like it was, you know, yeah. old school. It and like even well, occur to her. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I think from. she was just like, you know, like any mom, like. My parents, my kids are the most beautiful kids. And like, <laughs> why wouldn't I monetize this? Like, Absolutely. I think that, that in and of itself so is like a really wonderful insight into like the yeah. way I was raised. Yeah. She was like, two, three revenue streams are not enough. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. essentially, right? So, so what, no, it's like this kid is slacking. You don't have a job. <laughs> totally. This is no, bullshit. We need, like, to, we need to put these yeah, kids to work. work. <laughs> Do you know how much diapers cost? So, <laughs> so the funniest thing was that like, so they sent, my mom sent in pictures of my brother and me. And oh, they were like, we're good on her, but he's really cute. <laughs> so because my brother was like an exceptionally cute child. Like yeah. he had this like crazy bowl cut and just like looked oh, like true. Older so, younger? Uh, younger. Okay. So I was the older one. Uh-huh. He was the younger yeah. one. However, my mother, never one to be dissuade, just <laughs> carted me around. I love it. She took you on ghosties. She took me on ghosties from junk. So I what love- happened was that basically my brother was like, what, th- like three, I was five or like four, I was six, mm-hmm. like really pretty young. Like, yeah. or maybe he was like five at the time and I was seven. 
So I would just be like carted around to all these go sees that my brother would go to. My brother had a horrible attitude, but I already had like this customer service ass, yeah. charming ass <laughs> mm-hmm. attitude, right? So I come in, I'm like, hey, everyone. I'm like giving hugs to people I know, uh, giving hugs to people I don't know. You were asking, working like, the room. Question. I was working yeah. the room. And I, I'm pretty sure, like, yeah. obviously, I don't remember this, but I'm pretty sure my mom was like, go in there and show them why Total you deserve wrong. to work. Totally. <laughs> right. And so what ended up happening is like it happened because like most yeah. industries now that we know, it's yeah. like it's not really the most beautiful person that gets booked. It's the person that's it's, the easiest to work with. Especially yes. when you're a kid. And like mm-hmm. now I know so friends important. on yeah. the other side who are photographers and producers yeah. and they're like kids, like kid shoots, they want to pull their hair out. Yeah. So I was already a consummate professional from jump. And I think a lot of that came from the fact that I was growing up at my mom's restaurant. Yeah. I was kind the of the work doing, ethic. Right. Yeah. yeah. The ethic was instilled in me. My brother had kind of had a shitty attitude and really didn't give a shit about it. But I was just like, sure, like ready to please like please accept me you know like whatever conditioned for that um so i ended up being the person that got the most work and so but the funny thing is is that for me modeling never felt glamorous like Mm -hmm. i was doing this wasn't like i was in teen vogue or anything i was like doing like mervyn's and macy's right like Like catalog catalog Mm -hmm. stuff right like like sunday paper Mm -hmm. pullout stuff so for me it wasn't like particularly glamorous and i also like was always felt kind of like a loner like kind of like a little out of sorts like socially in school Mm -hmm. and i felt like both with like i would get taken out of class like for two reasons one was for um speech therapy because i had a really terrible lisp Mm -hmm. that i like still have they never like cured me they were like (laughs) i did like six years of i love it thanks i did they did six years of uh like public school speech therapy where they took me out like three times a week and they were like we can't do anything your your tongue is too big for your mouth I was like tight Um, and then uh, and then my mom would take me out like like, let me work on my personality yeah basically right (laughs) Jesus Um, and then my mom would take me out like twice a week for like go sees or shoots or whatever and it always felt I always felt really ostracized for it I never was like I was very embarrassed you know like when you're a kid like anything that's unusual and and it makes you different is always a it's a minus not a plus right and then like when and then I had this like terribly traumatic I mean traumatic like in scare quotes but I like, had this traumatic moment where I like got to school one day and all these kids were like whispering and laughing and pointing at me and it turned out that I had like done this ad where I was wearing like a very very conservative like chill like sports bra like mm-hmm. in the paper and it was like black and white like yeah. in the newspaper um, but I was like ridiculed for oh it and it was like this whole moment of feeling like so and I was so upset and so Aww. like just like ugh, like just felt so yeah bullied I mean obviously yeah. oh. by this thing that like in my mom's over here being like the kids are just jealous of you I'm like I promise you they are not like right. they know that I'm not like a hot kid like you know when you're like like you know very clearly who the pretty kids are and who aren't and I knew for myself I knew I was like I know I'm not the prettiest person I just know that I'm the easiest person to work with Oh my you know, god! I so, find that ridiculous. I think no, that's r- I look, we're looking I'm, I'm, at you I'm right now. Your face right You're like, now. It's, hard to, like, it's hard to describe. It's rude like, that you would come on our podcast and lie to our face. Stop! stop. <laughs> well, it's that's because they can't see you. That you, you think know, you can you, lie. Yeah, as a kid, it's just like, yeah. and whether, and that you know probably also has to do with whiteness too. Like I'm, yeah. you know, I'm growing up. I'm like, well, I feel out question. of shorts. I feel like that's the question we have for you. Do you think anything had to? Because now everything ideally is about a ton ad, right? Like everyone sure. is like ambiguous ethnicity right. and that's like really what they're going exactly. for. Exactly. It's like a look they're going for. Right. Um, I get a lot of like, your kid should model and I'm like, eh, no, you know, like, totally. no, right. because they're, you know, because no one knows where they, what their provenance is. Exactly. Um, but was that just not as um, popular? Was that not... Um, yeah, yeah the well, look then. Like, what did everyone around you look like? Right. So I think like in the Bay Area, so I like grew up in, in the North Bay. So 
like the Bay Area itself, um, especially when I was growing up there before it became like inhospitable for anybody who's not making six figures, right. um, was nine figures. Yeah. That part. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Seriously, like literally yeah. my friend, yeah. like just his company just yeah. IPO'd and he made so much fucking money. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't mm-hmm. even buy yeah. a studio apartment. Mm-hmm. He's like, no. I'm fully aware. No, <laughs> like, it's it's just like crazy. A, a friend who have a household income of, you know, over like, I think like around like half a mil are right. now leaving because they right. can't afford they can't anything. Afford in no. this city mm-hmm. that yeah, they've grown up in. It's insane, great. insane, right. Like so, capitalism. Yeah, yes, exactly. Hey, um, so, yeah. So, And it's funny, too, because it's like San Francisco. The San Francisco I grew up in was one of counterculture yeah. and yeah, radical like acceptance. And like it was just like highly politicized, which is like a lot of the reason why I'm so thankful that I grew yeah. up in the Bay Area. Yeah. It's like the inherent politics within where I grew up were like it was really. But, you know, again, being removed and being like more in the burbs, like it's growing up in Petaluma, which is in Sonoma County, mm-hmm. very white, very rural. I was going to school in Marin County, um, very white, very suburban, yeah. very wealthy and very affluent. Um, and yeah. And so like the larger Bay Area was brown and very Asian and like very, you know, eclectic. And, you know, I grew up going to San Francisco Chinatown like four days a week. And like yeah. that, like being Chinese was a very huge part. Obviously, like of I grew course. up in a Chinese restaurant going to Chinatown all the time. Um, I did lion dancing and, mm. and we were kind of like the slackers of the lion dancing crew. We were in there. <laughs> I was playing the gong. Um, but, uh, so in that sense, like that was that. But like when it came to school, like there was I mean there's two things here in school I definitely felt like the odd person out there weren't that many Asian people in mm-hmm. in the in my class and if the nobody had like social status like right. throughout like high school or elementary school and middle school like I think my graduating class we there was like literally three black kids of like 130 mm-hmm. kids and they were, two of them were like mixed like you know whatever like Jewish and yeah they didn't you know and nobody yeah. was like claiming no there was no such thing as like identifying as a person of color. And yeah. no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just like, don't see my color, just see, yes. me. you know, whatever. Yes, uh, I just um, want to blend in, and I just want to be like everyone exactly. else. Exactly. But when it came to modeling, like it was interesting because it was this kind of evolving consciousness as I got older. Because at first, it was like my mom not only like she was she's just a competitive person. She likes to win, right? So she was all, and I'm somebody where I'm like, why is competition? Like, what is life? Like, let's, <laughs> let's all be friends. And so I would have the tendency. Wait, 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 wait. Why is competition? Why competition? Why? A democratic socialist from birth. Hollis, no, like, and I think she it really frustrated my yeah, mom. Like she was just very like, you know, I would be the kind of person where we'd go on set and we'd see the same girls. And later I would like come to the consciousness of the fo- fact that like the same girls that I would go see on casting, there was like four or five of us and we were all mixed, right? We were all half white, half Asian. And so, but I would want to be friends with them. But my mom's right. like, there can only be one, right? So it's like, <laughs> yeah. don't be yeah. friends with them. Yeah. Like yeah. give them the stink eye, whatever, but that was yeah. never in my nature. Yeah. And I'll never forget there was this one shoot where they cast like 20 girls. And so like, three of us got cast and we were like I was so it was like one of the best like days modeling ever because I was like yay like I finally you know and I just like I think in general I just wanted social acceptance because I didn't feel like I had any friends so I was just like I can finally be cool with these girls but yeah I think that like as I got into my preteens and started kind of looking around and being like oh this is interesting that we're the Asian girls and we're all halfway like it just is what it is and then like once I got into high school and actually started like reading real literature yeah. and like started understanding what people of color were yeah. and what marginalized identities were and what othering was and like yeah. what have you um like it just it dawned on me i was like oh okay like i even though i'm not like 
beautiful with a capital B, whatever we can talk about. But like, as, <laughs> as I, I definitely never felt that way. I was like, I see now how my aesthetic has been privileged in this space yeah. because it's more accessible because yeah. it's more commercial because it's more what it's your you. ethnicity but it's diluted that it's part saver. it's you know yeah. um and it's adjacency to european features but with just a tiny sprinkling of exoticism exactly and, yeah and yeah absolutely and i'll never forget like i was in hong kong which obviously like was a british colony and so there's a lot of like yeah. mixed folks there but i was like getting a haircut um and this woman was speaking to me in cantonese and i barely understand anything in cantonese but you know you, you walk your kid into the thing and they're all like holy like your kid's so beautiful and this girl this woman was like in broken english was basically being like i want my daughter to look just like you oh, and i was oh, like "Ooh, like that feels horrible like oh, i you know what i mean and yeah. it was like it was i was maybe so like nice. 14 at the time and Ooh. i it just hit me where i was like I know this isn't right. Yeah. Like, I know this is, and it's, it's beyond like a personal self-consciousness of being mm-hmm. like, I'm just the charming one. I'm not actually yeah. the pretty one. I was just like, yeah. there is like kind of a more insidious understanding of what beautiful means. Yes. And then you walk outside in Hong Kong and there's these like basic ass white girls like advertising stuff. Yeah. Like you can be a basic yeah. ass same white woman and be a model in, in yeah. Asia. The same in India. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly, it's just like, oh, there's like the one white girl who's supposed to like be the, the other, like the, the, the femme fatale. And you're like, who, right. hey, what? Like, <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's so interesting that you came to, you know, so early at 14 to um, to come to the stage where you understood that the dilution of your ethnicity was not necessarily something to be prized. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, often, you know, that journey comes a lot later for women of like of color who, you know, because often there can be almost a perverse sense of pride mm-hmm. of being like adjacent to whiteness and being accepted by this, you know, uh, you know, by the populace. But yeah, so it's very, very interesting you kind of came to that so I'm, immediately. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious what it's going to be like for my kids to be able to kind of navigate both worlds, Indian, the Indian family and the Jewish family, but also kind of not necessarily like feel like they belong in any one place. Totally. I mean, that's certainly how it's been for me because I moved to the U.S. when I was a teenager. So I never felt in I didn't grow up in India and I didn't grow up here. Mm-hmm. So where do I belong? I don't right. know. So I wonder if my kids will identify with that. Like what did you when you were growing up, you were just like, I'm just a girl from California. Yeah, I mean, that kind of. And I think that, like, it was interesting because as much as my mom, like, you know, we grew up in a Chinese restaurant. We, like, did kind of Chinese cultural activities. And Mm -hmm. my mom was involved in, like, the Marin Chinese Cultural Association that she's still really deeply involved in, um, which is very, like, you know, just kind of the Chinese-American community. Mm -hmm. We I never really felt like I was 
cool with those kids right. or in that. And I did feel very like separate from that. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, like I just felt and, you know, I think this was just a personality thing. I felt very separate from kind of like the mainstream culture in my yeah. school. And like I lived literally far away. My mom like finagled this interdistrict transfer. So she, of course we, she did, right. because we lived in a completely she, different. I know county. your mom. Yeah. My mom like, is like, I know she's, your mom. Yeah. She makes the Indian moms and the Chinese moms are like in cahoots Don't. in like every suburb. Basically, like at one of in one of the wealthiest areas in Marin County, we lived in Sonoma County, but in one of the wealthiest, like let alone like district, like county, like completely different county. The the superintendent from that district was a regular at my mom's restaurant. And Ooh. so she just kind of over years wore him down and was able to get <laughs> us to go. But we were Amazing. commuting 45 minutes every day oh each God, way like to a public school. So I'm yeah. genius, right? Like yeah. you're going to a school that like is raising a million dollars a year for like whatever. Yeah. But because of that, I felt very separate. And right. Then, you know, now yeah. again, looking back on like our childhood, it's like we had some family friends, but we weren't particularly like a social family. And I was like a hyper social person. And mm-hmm. so I felt this like frustration, whatever. Also, mm-hmm. when you're going to a school that's not in your neighborhood, you don't have friends in the neighborhood. That part, yeah. Totally. <laughs> like, or if so, you do, you're just not connected yeah. and everybody's kicking totally. with each other and you're not. And like, you know, what have you. Yeah. Um, I had the same experience. I used to like my mom may go to a school that was in Oxfordshire. So in the morning, I'd have to get on a you know, to do the school coach in the morning to go to the school in the middle of the countryside. Um, but, you know, again, good education. Oh, right. That's fine. Um, yeah. I read a lot of books, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> so but didn't have a ton of friends. <laughs> so then once you like, when did you stop modeling? So, okay, so this is interesting. So I stopped modeling kind of when I turned that like 13, 14 mm-hmm. age because they were kind of the place where like, okay, you're out of like, you know, it's the size, it's like 8, 10, 12. Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're out of sports breasts. You're in juniors now right? into laundry you're juniors now and also like you're a performer like you're a yeah. singer um like you've been doing theater so maybe it's time for us to think about your acting mm-hmm. and then wait wait wait. your parents were like this no it's or kind who, of more like oh, the your agency yeah, yeah, they're yeah, kind yeah. of sorry, just like sorry, they yeah. were a child yeah. modeling agency yeah, 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 yeah. but they're kind of like you've kind of reached the end of our of utility for yeah, what you've done mm-hmm. well and that was the thing is they were like and then they basically i don't think they ever sat me down but they told my mom they were basically were like hollis has really bad acne Mm. And she has a lisp. So if she had, if she didn't have one of those things, then she could potentially be viable. <laughs> oh but because she doesn't, <gasps> we're going to have to let you go. So wow. I had like my last job when I was 14 and then I was turned out onto the street. I was thrown by my collar. Wait, 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 wait. So you, you were told that? So your mom was like, listen, it's because you yes, have a definitely. List. My mom was like, listen, kid. It's no We're running detail. a business. Right. Right. Basically. <laughs> skin you know. and your lisp. You got it. You need yeah. another skill. And there was even. What's this your one, skill going to be? There was this one summer where they were like, if you want to take her down to LA for the summer, when I was 13, like going into high school, they were like, mm-hmm. if you want to take her down to LA this summer and like see how she does, you can, but we need to warn you that. <gasps> it's possible that she won't be da da da. And I was such like a theater ham. Yeah. But I also didn't really find empowerment in that space. And then I'll also say this they did start putting me in commercial stuff all the way until I was like, they would put me. I went to this one casting studio. I shit you not. I went 70 times probably in the course of like five years yeah. for GoSees and I booked zero gigs. Oh, zero God. gigs. These are commercials. These are like TV shows. Like oh, I auditioned God. for all that. Like all this shit where I'm like preparing a monologue, preparing yeah. a song, like doing all this stuff. Oh, so like the, so the utter rejection and yeah. like 
the very little it's not like I was getting in the car and my mom was like you know grabbing me by the no. shoulders and being like you're valid you're like no. feel affirmed and like at all my no, mom's no. just like again we had to slug our asses in the city again and you didn't get the gig yeah. like what that is, kind of shit this is so crazy to me what is so remarkable whenever I like you know read some like you know some shooters manifesto and some like maligned like white male mm. is like right. I was rejected twice I'm yeah like, <laughs> no what do you know about rejection that part yeah and the house is like i'm a musician with a lisp you're just gonna deal with it just be a woman of color oh, existing in the world oh and God. talk to any of us about constant Reje- rejection constant rejection yeah, yeah constant rejection yeah. and then like coming from like an immigrant background it's like rejection is never good it's not like your no. family is going to sit you down and be like, like oh. this is external rejection but what you need to cultivate is your eternal yeah. affirmation it's like, like no what? I think those bitches are right, right. Yeah. no literally be like pretty. you know what it is be better be smarter be sharper immigrant, immigrant parenthood is you coming home and being like i'm sad and they're like what did Why? you do yeah <laughs> what <laughs> what did you do or what do you have yeah. to be sad yeah. about yeah. which i think yeah. is a what lot of like, and that's well. like when i your came, life's amazing shut up <laughs> that part and like i mm-hmm. ended up going to like a like a um really like elite um independent pub- private high school outside out of public mm-hmm. um middle school and that's really like ironically even though that was like my first real like blast i mean i had grown up along, around affluence but this was like old money well right. pacific heights san francisco like right. beyond wealth yeah. right and like people who had all grown up with each other because all their parents made money with each yeah. other whatever um and ironically that is actually where i like joined a student group called moving on racial equality and started mm-hmm. actually like reading literature and mm-hmm. understanding like what is the construct of race and how do we all interact with yeah. it? And what is being white adjacent mean? And what is like being complicit with white, you know, now we call white supremacy pretty yeah. normally, but then it's like, like that was, trans- that white was a privileges. transgressive statement to make mm-hmm. right. at the time, but now it is just, you know, part of our daily fabric of our lives. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, but like in learning that, then, you know, I would start getting involved and my mom's kind of like red flags went up because she feels like she sent me to go assimilate, kind of assimilate oh, to become yeah. Mm-hmm. this like uh, you know and then meanwhile mm. you come out wearing like a black panther that part. <laughs> being like the 74 tennis of white privilege like whatever and then my mom like was really miffed like upset because she's yeah. like you know she's like i've done all this shit yeah. to get you into this yeah. place i i've i grew up in poverty mm-hmm. i grew up with oppression like i grew up in Why a in a, in a you know in a situation that i fled right mm-hmm. and you suburban girl who's been child modeling you know like yeah. or coming to me talking about your person of color talking about like mm-hmm. even that you know what i mean like even yeah. identifying as a person of color exactly. like, right yeah. uh you're coming to me talking about she was like do you really feel oppressed like i remember she was like yeah. do you really feel like you're oppressed mm-hmm. like do you, do you really feel like you can say that mm-hmm. and just kind of like kind of gaslighting me obviously because yeah. she just wasn't because it also feels i think for her it felt like a reflection on her own parenting like yes how did i how do this like I made this kid half white. I gave this kid all you these can, like white ass experiences and this yeah. kid still identifies. <laughs> you, you, you cannot actually accept sometimes that your children are sad. Mm. And I think that a lot of, I have two kids and right. I, I see it myself and I try to reprogram myself and them, but you cannot, when your children are sad, it is a knife to the gut. And um, I think a lot of our parents especially respond with facts. And they're like, but all these things are so good. Mm-hmm. But what about these other good things? Let's think about something else. Let's try to stay positive. And that's where they live. Because to sit down and say, that is hard. I am sorry. Feels like you failed somehow. Mm-hmm. And so I get it. Like, I get how my parents parented because I have my own, my own kids. But I hear a lot of, like, what you're saying. I, like, you know, I lived it. Camilla's lived it. Like, we, 
we all we can do is try not to repeat it (laughs) you know yeah and i think like and this is kind of a larger thing but thinking about like generational trauma right and the fact that like so many like our like parents who were immigrants and came from the situations that they did a lot of like their tactics were just like denial and survival like put it behind it's in the past don't worry about it keep it pushing and now we know you know it's like literally passed down in our dna the way that (laughs) unresolved trauma is passed down and like when you know uh, those of us who are second gen or what have you like uh, do have issues with like severe depression or do have issues with anxiety and our parents are like why can't you just put it behind you and move on the way that why can't we did you bury this you? and put it in the bottom of your yeah. stomach until it turns into cancer? You guys, you guys, I had I was with my five year old the other day and we were he was sad about something at school and then he didn't want to talk about it. And I said, let's talk, you know, let's talk about it. It seemed like you were having kind of a hard time. And he goes, or we could put it in the garbage can, throw it away and never talk about it again. And I was like, <laughs> No. Oh my God. And that was something he totally came up with on his own. Wow. So astutely articulating yeah, yeah. the majority. We could approach. put it in a garbage can. It could just go away. And we could and the look on his face. And we could never talk about it again. And I was like, nope, bringing you back. So, like, let's talk about the potty. It's cool. You know, like, whatever it was. Isn't that crazy? That is wild. It's like, they, fi- they figure it out. Like, yeah. little smart little critters. They figure out how to. Well, how to survive. Yeah. How to, you know, to put the bad feeling away so that yeah. you don't have to come back. Because confronting things is difficult and it's very uncomfortable. And of kind course. of avoiding yeah. discomfort is the way that you're built as a human. Of yeah. course. Um, so, beauty and wellness. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that is yeah. your relationship with beauty right yeah. and so how has that changed because that is a big punch to the gut when you're an incredibly young person to be told that like well you're not saleable anymore yeah. so we don't know what to do with exactly. you so how do you you know pick yourself you're obviously like an incredibly resilient person because you were raised by your mom and because you just are but like how do you pick yourself up and go like i'm worthy and i've got all these things to offer like how did you know how right did you come to that? well i think that i felt like that door was firmly shut and i didn't really feel incentivized to open it and mm-hmm. so for me like even though of course you get glimpses like oh it would be amazing if i had gotten cast on all that mm-hmm. like i am like this performer and i would have loved these avenues but mm-hmm. i had just been rejected so many times that it was so clear that it was a no mm-hmm. in that avenue. And so I never really like considered it again. I never was like, oh, I like, I want to get my, I want to clear my skin. And that was like actually part of it too is like because my acne, because I mm-hmm. had really terrible acne and my brother and my sister ended up having really bad acne too. And it was like this family oh, feature. Geez, yeah. Like, I just kind of felt like that was part of my identity now. Like, mm-hmm. I have a lisp. That's part of my identity. Mm-hmm. I have bad skin. That's part of my identity. I'm, like, not commodifiable in these, like, ways. Like, that's just part of but my at identity. at the same time, these people were very short-sighted. Where was the Clearasil campaign? <laughs> right. I know. And I tried what? proactive and it wasn't popping. Yeah. And I actually, I went I went on Accutane. And mm. because I had to go on orthotricycline and because birth control is such trash, yeah. I actually got, like, morbidly depressed on oh, the God. birth control. Oh, And so I, and then I was just, like, I hated the way it made yeah. me feel. Mm-hmm. And then that was really that was around like my kind of political and feminist awakening too so i kind Mm -hmm. of like and i think like i'm thankful now like in 2019 that young people even though like i definitely am glad that instagram didn't exist but when i was younger but like i think that you you see a lot more examples now of women being like i can be beautiful and empowered like Mm -hmm. i am not like like my my approach to beauty and glamour is not for other people's consumption but it's actually for my own empowerment and i think at the time i think i very kind of like uh, 
solidly rejected anything that yeah. felt like oh, okay like i'm not i'm not for the commodifiable system so like fuck it i just have bad skin that's just yeah. like who i am and that kind of like ingratiated myself into having you know so i didn't like look up skincare i yeah. didn't really like i was kind of just using basic shit and like whatever drugstore ass like chalky ass like concealer because and i wasn't even really allowed to have makeup until i left for college so it's like so it's like i was of just course. like had to live with it you know what i mean whatever yeah, my child model daughter shall not wear makeup totally absolutely no. like only a professional will put it on your face otherwise it's fine. <laughs> for so, hours a day yeah exactly oh my god um so which was also my codependence on working with makeup artists too because i was just like i don't yeah. know how to do this but yeah so i think that for me like i just found other avenues like i started like getting really into like deep into like these like feminist like zine uh message boards where i like started learning about like riot girl and just like radical mm. feminism and like radical menstruation and just like own your like period and like all oh, that shit yeah. and and it and it was very like punk and it was very like not mm-hmm. beauty well, it's, not yeah, it's counterculture and also with that but being kind of rejected as being having your beauty actually being commodified in you know actually forcing you to like to create a richer in a life yes totally. than in. but then also obviously like finding a community of other people yeah. who are feeling exactly the same going yeah. i'm fed up exactly um so my the lucky thing is that like i had always been performing theater and then when i was like 17 years old like i started writing my own poetry and doing mm. spoken word poetry and like poetry slam so that actually became the foundation because i was really into theater too like i actually like loved being in musical theater and i kind of in high school i was like i wonder if i'll go into musical theater mm-hmm. but then again that voice of like your skin's bad. You have a lisp. You're Asian. Oh, like, geez. who's going to cast you? Like, at the time, it's like, what? Lynn Flower Drumstone comes back. That is <laughs> right. But that was 10 years before. I, right. I think, yeah. honestly, I probably would have gone for it if yeah. Hamilton and, like, yeah. In the Heights had been around now. Like, and to, I don't know how that would have worked out for me because I know people that are in that and it's, you have to be so exceptional and even so that, hard. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I wasn't, like, I don't But have the that. fact that it is there to inspire people to be like, oh, that's a path for me. Like, Representation is, is yeah. everything, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think for me, I had told myself for so long that I, there was no way that I could be a successful artist because, like, I didn't mm-hmm. see any Asian American musicians, like, doing their thing. I couldn't be a successful theater. But, like, I just, it was a lot of psychology that was telling, that was continuing the rejection for me um and it's really funny because it's only really by hook or by crook that i find myself here now as a professional like artist and a professional Mm -hmm. musician and performer and what have you i think like i just i kept doing it compulsively i kept writing i kept performing even though like i knew conscientiously like this is never gonna make you money you're Mm -hmm. never going to be able to compete you're never going to be chosen x y and z so but little did i know i think subconsciously i was just building up the infrastructure of what being an independent artist like you need to have which is that resilience which is that like 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 you know really confronting the 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 desire for external validation and recognizing like that 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 tap mm-hmm. can be turned off at any moment. And then what do you have? You no. know, and what was this all for? Yeah, you um, have to feel a compulsion to make stuff, I think. And that's the only way. Like, it's funny because people who make their living through art um, have such a, it, it, there's such a misconception that that everyone's just like d- floating around the clouds. And it, that's not true. Like, right. everyone I know is the most type A hustler I've ever met. And it's all like writers, musicians, artists, yeah. like all all the because you have to be exactly but then i think like that's what i was but i think that's the thing that i said sometimes that the constant like internal dialogue in me is that i'm like okay like i'm a hustler i'm gonna make it happen like i'm the girl that i wasn't pretty enough for the for the Mm -hmm. casting but they cast me anyway because i was so easy to work with and Mm -hmm. so i think that's always been my self narrative my self narrative my self-understanding like you're not you're not going to be the best you're not going to be the prettiest you're not going to be the best singer you're not going to be the whatever but if you you know like but what you can do is like hustle your way into it but what that also leaves you with is just not really an inherent 
inherent belief in yourself. You just believe that your industriousness and your utility <laughs> to other people is actually why That's you're going to get yourself out. in the yeah. door yeah. instead of your actual like the actual artist within and the actual value mm-hmm. that you bring. Um, and so like recognize, and I think that's like a very common narrative for women of color. Like we recognize like, oh, is it just our utility to others that have, that has given mm-hmm. us value and like has mm-hmm. cultivated our self value other than like, is it because we're easy to work with? Is Andrea because- is just nodding over there. <laughs> Andrea, our coordinator, she's just like, uh-huh. You know, yeah, like, yep. is it because like I, I make people feel good when I, they're right. working with me mm-hmm. and that's the reason and it's not actually from any value like inherent value of my own yes I think so we, there's that oh, <laughs> we all identify with that oh, we do we what? do we do we do but that's the foundation that's yeah. right the foundation is the industriousness and that kind of and then and then that gives you the space and the infrastructure to make the art like, yeah. like you said I know I was born with really high self-esteem <laughs> it's me and a blessing <laughs> Um, High value. Got it. Just goop it. (laughs) Yeah. Just goop it. Just goop it, kids. Should we we move on the beauty of the week? Did you you bring the beauty of the week? I did. Yes. I wrote their names down because um, this week has been a very interesting um, week for Asian American women in the media. Um, And so I wanted to like shout out uh, two women that are Asian American that uh, are beautiful and are beauties, but also are really like fighting the good fight. The first woman I wanted to shout out is Chanel Miller. And Chanel Miller is the woman who um, was assaulted by Brock Turner Turner. um, Mm -hmm. years ago and got her, her, um, you know, uh, victim statement went viral at the time and now this week it was announced that she's releasing a memoir and came out and like perceptibly I'm assuming she's Asian American because she's a mixed Asian woman it was really powerful to me obviously like I kind of revisited the whole thing I, re- I revisited her statement and really just spent like a couple of hours like really thinking and reading about it and how devastating and also incredible it is that this young you know mixed Asian woman like was was a woman to step forward and give such a stirring testimony and give such a stirring like condemnation of the way in which Brock Turner was like protected and coddled and, mm-hmm. um, and the way in which he, he only served and three still months. still is what was so Certainly. shocking, even as she revealed her identity this week, that 60 minutes are still referring to him as the Stanford swimmer. Yeah. Not the Stanford rapist. rapist. Yes. And like, and to read, like I had to remember the details, but if you really go, I really implore anybody who hasn't read her victim state, I think it's called like impact statement or whatever yeah. to go read it. Yeah. Cause what she experienced was so traumatic mm. and her way of speaking about it so vulnerably and with, but with like with such conviction, mm-hmm. knowing that it was so important for her to tell her story. And then now knowing the layers of it, it's like, Oh, like if she had been a white girl, how would how would this whole thing have been different um good point i am really excited to read her memoir Mm -hmm. and i'm really just like proud as a mixed asian woman to see you know like again we're taught like oh okay it is your fault like oh you Mm -hmm. should and she really like made a very yeah she made a powerful choice to come forward then and now into putting a face to her trauma and it's just so relatable like just drunk white boys feeling like they can do anything with your bodies when you're mm-hmm. younger. It's just like, I think it's going to really strike a chord with you know, all sorts of And women, also as a woman, just accepting that that's what happens. Yeah. This is just how it is. Let me warn you about this thing that happens when right. you go to college. There are going to be these guys and that's just something you can't do anything about. Yeah. Stay away from them. Yeah. Then I hope that changes. Yeah, absolutely. And the second woman I want to shout out really quickly is Adele Lim, oh, who's yeah. the woman mm-hmm. who said no to Crazy Rich mm-hmm. Asians, even yeah. though, and this is what I thought was really tight. 
because of of pay parity. But even though her, the guy who was making like 10 times more money than her offered to split the fee, she still said no. And I love that precedent because I think oftentimes we're taught like, oh, okay, like if it's about the same, if it's kind of the same thing, Mm -hmm. then we might as well just take it because we want the opportunity. And I love that Adele was like, no, because it shouldn't be based on one single white guy's generosity. Like this is actually a systemic process process and system so just wanted to shout both of those women out y'all are badasses also for me what was just so silly about the entire thing it was like the amount of money that was on the table it was just like (laughs) you're going to jeopardize a sequel that is worth like 800 million dollars for 80 grand yeah like for me like i'm not a studio head i might be (laughs) (laughs) but i can do basic maths right And now it it's like now you have a multi-million yeah. dollar PR problem. Exactly. So and still a, a sequel that doesn't have a writer. Yeah. So no, it's insane. Good luck. Yeah. Um, How about yours? So my beauty of the week this week is oh my god the new Redate lookbook. Oh, mm, it's so, so good. So, it's beautiful, and I love Redate's clothes, but often their aesthetic is so painfully white. Yeah. Like mm. Noah Baumbach movie white. And, you know, but instead, this lookbook lands and it's like actually racially diverse. And you've got like Kilo Kish, you've got Yalitza Alpricio, who, who they did actually dress for the Oscars. Gabrielle Union, Maya Skin, uh, Lauren Sai, Alexa Demi, Helen Howard. And it really is like the lookbook itself is beautiful. It's this kind of riveting, glacial, kind of old 1950s, like movie style glamour. And, but that aesthetic is so very rarely afforded to actresses and models of color yeah. because most period TV shows pretend that brown people didn't exist before yes. Martin Luther King. Um, but instead you'd have this really beautiful, vibrant spectrum of different races. I mean, there was still no body diversity, but it's still fashion. So, but you know, we'll take these small steps where we can. But it's a really, really beautiful lookbook, and um, yeah, really, really yeah, appreciate it. All right, how was what was yours? Mine is there's a woman I've been in touch with on Twitter for a long time. She's a she's a journalist for BuzzFeed Canada. Her name is Sachi Cole. Do you okay. follow her on Twitter? I do not. I she's shall. very very funny, and you know, my favorite thing is when people can be funny and angry at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> and she's so so good at it. Her Twitter handle is um, at. S-C-A-A-C-H-I. And she wrote this blistering takedown of Friends, the show. I did read And this. it was the top of the internet for many days. And she's very good at this. She's very good at, like, making the top of the internet and then responding to every single troll with, like, the best comment. Yeah. And it is so weirdly satisfying to just read her feed. And they're like, how does it feel to be a C-word? And she's like, great. <laughs> like <Aww>. every <laughs> response is so perfect she has teflon for skin and she's kashmiri just like i am so we have like a special bond it's a very small community and so we've been in touch with her on dm or email like over the years just advice and i just i just love her from afar and she makes me laugh and you i want to everyone to this. follow her Sorry. you have to read this takedown of friends as well it's i'm down it's excellent it's Can't very, very it's good. like okay to say that this beloved thing is kind of dated yeah, and totally. like progress is progress for a yeah, reason right. we keep moving forward <laughs> anyway um well that's it for that's this it. week thank you so much for coming and joining us Hollis. this is awesome mm-hmm. and um yeah thanks for listening to us guys thanks guys see you next week right, bye. Thank you. Bye. for show notes including links to the products services people and causes mentioned on this episode you can subscribe to our official newsletter stuff and things through the link in our show notes or at foxybrownspod.com see you next week Erios. Powered by ACAST. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.